Welcome to episode 3 of the Cross Purpose, where we go live with our podcast. Um, I am Benjamin and I will be your host for the day. Uh, Just to set the um, tone of the event, um, we're basically uh, taking this day, um, as you all know, is Resurrection Sunday, uh, or what more commonly known as Easter. Um, And on this day, we were planning to uh, release a podcast and the idea is basically to focus on the cross um, as you know we have named this ministry the cross purpose and uh, the passion week is basically our week <laughs> the week of the cross purpose the purpose of the cross and um, that's what this event is about this event is about the cross this event is about the cross so um, we're just going to spend some time focusing on uh, what the gospel is and um, discussing uh, things about uh, revolving around the gospel and its relevance today. Um, and we're going to have some time at the end where we take um, questions that you guys can uh, send to us throughout the event. Um, so just about the technical side of things, we are um, streaming this from our homes uh, using our home broadband services which are uh, known to be problematic often. Um, So please bear with us if we um, have issues during streaming, we may uh, get cut off. We'll try to bring it back on as soon as possible. Uh, We have uh, this scheduled until 7 p.m. So uh, let's see how much we can uh, fit our content into that time. Uh, Bear with us, this is our first time. So this is just episode three of the podcast and uh, this is the first and only time we've gone on live with it. So uh, thank you guys for joining, whoever is here. Um, uh, let us know in the comments if you have any issues in the streaming. Uh, we're keeping a li- uh, an eye on that. And uh, secondly, about the questions at the end, um, I this is an uh, event where you can, throughout the event, you can uh, give us questions in our live chat or um, or you can message, uh, send a message to the page itself, the cross-purpose page itself on Messenger or what. Um, or alternatively, you can uh, send it to us on our uh, email address, which is thexpurpose at gmail.com, thexpurpose at gmail.com. So we're watching all of these for uh, questions. Um, so do write in to us if you have something that you want to ask uh, or you want to see us uh, explain. Um, yeah, and that's about it. So um, I'm going to pass on the mic to... Mike, uh, Michael Teddy Fernandez, who is the pastor of Redemption Hill Church. Um, so, yeah, over to you, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's great to be uh, live. I think we've been waiting for this uh, opportunity for a while. And uh, ever since we began the podcast, we've been talking about, you know, what a time to begin a podcast right in the middle of lockdown. Uh, but uh, God has a plan and uh, his plan is always good. So thanks, Benji, for the introduction. I think uh, uh, we are a little late in starting due to technical difficulties and uh, things like that. So do continue to bear with us. So here's basically what uh, we thought we'd do today is uh, I, it is, it's, it's been given to me the duty to, to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to take uh, as short an amount of time as I can and try to squeeze in as much as I can to talk about the gospel of Jesus. And then uh, I guess Ashok, me and Benji are just going to talk about it. And throughout, we hope that you would 
ask questions. We are eager to hear the kind of questions you all have. So continue to write in questions just uh, through the messenger or however you can reach it to us. And then we'd love to address that. Now, before I begin, I have a disclaimer. I'm sitting in my study and there is a bird outside that's pretty noisy. So I hope you bear with me because I have to bear with it as well. Right. So with that, let's... Uh, Let's dive in. Let's talk about the gospel, guys. Um, so let me start uh, by talking about the gospel. Now, Christians all this week are celebrating the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So this is the, this is the time of the year when we come together and we uh, remember and pray and worship and thank the Lord for the, the death, the burial and the resurrection of his son, right? We focus on the redemptive work of Christ that has saved us, that has purchased for us what we have today. Am I audible? Can you hear me? Yeah, cool. So, yeah, because I keep dropping my feet, so bear with me. Yeah, so as I was saying, this is this is a time, right, when we are uh, looking at the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, in this time, I want to... Uh, I want us to look at the, the key verse probably in the Bible that we all know when we want to, uh, you know, uh, share the gospel with people, right? We all go to John 3, 16. It's probably that key verse in the Bible that talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's just read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right. And we know that's 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 the gospel statement. We love it. And, and that's what we proclaim everywhere. And so uh, in presenting the gospel, I want to start off by by just making probably a kind of a, a controversial statement. And the statement is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not simple. Right. Uh, a lot of people disagree with that. Because a lot of people think the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What's difficult about that? It's clear. It's, it's simple, right? Simple for all of us to see. But here's the thing, beloved. Before I start just presenting the gospel, I have a concern. And I have that concern with so many Christians I meet with, right? And the concern is this. There are many things that John 3.16 does not explain, right? Every time we say the gospel is simple, Jesus died for me, I believe in him, I have eternal life. That's an oversimplification of the reality. Okay, and I'll explain that. But, but right before I do so, let me bring your attention to a, a verse that I remember often in my heart. And that's Hosea 4.6. In Hosea 4.6, God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. Okay? So we have people who have rejected the knowledge of God. And God's saying they are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And why I start with that verse is kind of to try and, you know, uh, put to you the question, could it be... That many Christians, when they think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, lack knowledge about what it really means. Okay. So when John 3.16, I said John 3.16 is not exhaustive. It does not tell us everything. Okay. What I mean by that is simple. 
in the statement you find in john 3:16 although this verse is a wonderful beautiful verse for us christians to remember there is a considerable lot it does not tell us it does not tell us why we need saving it does not tell us what we need to be saved from it does not tell us why that saving had to involve the death of god's only begotten son it does not tell us how to believe it says believe but it does not qualify what belief look like looks like and it does not explain how that belief produces eternal life you see five things right key key important things that that verse alone does not tell us but all of that is important in order for us to understand the gospel which is why i say that the gospel is not simple because john 3:16 is not is not an oversimplified verse for us to trust john 3:16 is the summary of the gospel it's not the exhaustive gospel and therefore the, these questions are important and i'll tell you why they are important because when you throw john 316 as at most christians they will all agree with you and they will all believe it but here's the problem each one will answer these individual questions that i just mentioned that john 316 does not clarify for us each one will draw their own conclusions you see what i mean they will find their own reasons people will come up with different reasons of why we actually need saving people come up with different reasons of what we are saved from people come up with different explanations of why the son had to die and the problem is the gospel is not just the jesus died for us part but rather it is the message of the good news that clarifies all of these questions so i start there to say the gospel is not a simple statement it is not simple but let me tell you what it is the gospel is clear that much we know for certain you see beloved when we look at the bible i want to say this there are no multiple interpretations of the bible you've heard that argument before right when you get into debates with christians over any topic right and and when it when they when when people get pushed to a corner what's usually the response you hear well that's your interpretation right and here's the thing beloved there are no multiple interpretations of the word of god that's just a false statement you see it's it's as though if i wrote a letter to my wife right and i and i and i began to explain to i was on a journey i wrote her a letter and i began to explain to her what's happening and you know i just began to crack some inside jokes and all sorts of things and i wrote a letter and you happen to get that letter your interpretation interpretation of that letter requires for you to know who is writing and to whom he is writing right without that you won't understand the inside jokes you won't understand some of the statements being made some of the words being used in order to have a wholesome accurate understanding of that letter i write you have to put things in context you have to know who is writing it when he is writing it under what context he is writing it you apply certain methodologies to get accurate interpretation of that because ultimately it doesn't matter what you think i wrote in my letter because the interpretation that matters is what i actually meant to say or communicate in that letter and it's the same way with the bible the word of god is the word 
of God. And the question we must ask is, what is God trying to say? Not what are the interpretations we can kind of pull out of it. No, what is God trying to communicate? And therefore, the gospel, beloved, in the Bible is clear because the interpretation that the Bible gives is singular. It is one. In 2 Timothy 3.16, you read this verse. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Right? That verse, I'm, I'm sure you've all heard that verse. Do you know in 2 Timothy 3.16, the word for breathed out by God, which certain translations more accurately put it as God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. The Greek word used there is theanustos. Okay. And we can actually argue historically that it seems likely Paul coined that word for himself. It was not a common word they used. That word is probably a word Paul coined together to suggest what the word of God is. The word of God came from the very breath, right? When I breathe, there is breath coming out, right? I'm blowing out air to formulate words. And such is the very word of God. It is breathed out from the mouth of God himself. And therefore, when we look at the Bible and know that it is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, all of these things, the confidence that we have, is in knowing that the Bible is talking to us with a single interpretation of what God is trying to tell us. Now, I know I don't have much time, but I've taken so much time to give, lay these foundations. And the reason I laid them is very simple. The gospel is not simple, but it is clear. And in order to understand what the gospel message clearly is, we must go to the Bible and put in the effort to understand the word of God accurately, to interpret it within its context, right? And that gives us clarity on these individual questions that John 3.16 does not tell us, right? You never pick, if you are a genuine student of the Bible, you never pick verses out of context and then just use them. You take a verse and you put it in the context of the entire book that God has given us, 66 books, one Bible, the word of God, the canon of scripture, we look at it as a whole to understand what it is trying to teach us. And therefore, from that, we understand, you know, in 2 Peter 3.16, Peter talks about Paul's writing, right? Paul's letters. And Peter says this, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do with the other scriptures. So the one who picks a certain verse and reduces it down or oversimplifies it and then comes up with their own interpretations of these other layers that John 3.16 does not answer. In fact, what you're doing is twisting scripture. And the twisting of scripture is something that the ignorant and unstable do. And lots of Christians, I believe, have committed the crime of twisting the scripture. So all that to say, what is the gospel statement? Okay, gospel is not simple. Mike, we get it. We get what you're trying to say. Give us the gospel. What is the gospel? Okay. The gospel is this. 
Jesus came to die for your sins that you may have eternal life if you believe in him. Why? Question number one. Why do we need saving? What are we saved from? We are not saved from sin ultimately. We are not saved from ourselves. We are not saved from uh, situations of the world. We are not saved from the devil. What are we saved from biblically? We are saved from the wrath of God. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's what we are saved from. We all stand condemned before God. We all stand condemned before God because we as sinners deserve the wrath and judgment and justice of God. You know, when, when I talk this way, a lot of people say, wait, that seems like a hard God for us to believe in. God's love, God cares, and God's all that is not hard. Let me throw you a verse for that. Revelation 14, 10. He also will drink the wine of God's wrath. And so in Revelation, this is talking about the people and uh, the serpent and all, all the people who, the wicked people who are, going to, who are going to be punished in hell, right? And so this is what he's saying. They will also drink, he will also drink of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. You see, the torture of hell, you see, the condemnation of God that falls upon people, the wicked who do not repent, do not turn to God, is this, that they would drink of God's fury, his wrath, the cup of his anger, tormented in fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb of God. Jesus overseeing the punishment of the wicked in hell. That, beloved, is why we need saving. Because ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, all of us, Human beings are subject to the flesh and the flesh is sinful and the wages of sin is death. And that's why we stand here condemned before God. So the question of what are we saved from is answered. We are saved from the wrath of God. But then what about the question of why we need saving? Sure, the wrath of God, we are saved from the wrath of God. But, but why do we need saving? Can, can, cannot, can't we do something about it? Can't we wriggle our way out of it? Can't we do something to resolve this? Uh, okay, uh, the wrath of God is going to fall on us. Let's do something. We can do something, right? Well, you can't because God is holy. In Romans 5.12, we read this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. This is not a curable disease that we can take a few medicine, some pills of good works and come out of it. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves from the wrath of God because we are all guilty, all sinful. In Romans 6.23, Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. We stand guilty and a good judge is a judge who punishes the guilty and does not let them go free. And so what, why do we need saving? We need saving because we're guilty. We are people stained. We are people fallen short of the glory of God. We are people deserving of God's judgment for we are sinners. And what are we saved from? From the very judgment of God, from the very wrath of God falling on us. And now the question, so, so, so what's the solution? If we can't save ourselves, what's the solution? And that's the gospel, beloved. The gospel is that Jesus has come. Jesus came to die for our sins, to satisfy the wrath of God. So why did Jesus come? He came to satisfy the wrath of God. You see, if God is perfectly just, which we believe he is, right? God is perfect and God is just and God is love. And if God is just, a just Judge cannot let the guilty go unpunished. It, the, the wrath must be satisfied. The judgment must be satisfied. And so Christ comes to satisfy that judgment on our behalf. We call it the substitutionary atonement. He came as the propitiation for our sins, right? So in Romans 3, 24 to 25, we read this. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And that is why Jesus came. He came to die for our sins because someone had to satisfy the wrath of God. And we know from John 3, 16, that we must believe. For those who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3, 16 does not tell us what it means to actually believe. In fact, beloved, belief is a strange word because Christians have made it strange. I want to give you a quick example. When you go to the doctor and you're sick and the doctor prescribes, he diagnoses what's wrong with you and he prescribes you a medication, what do you do? What do you do? You go home, on your way, you buy the medicine that you need to buy and you follow through by taking all that medication in time, right? And why do you do all of that? Because you believe the doctor. You believe his diagnosis. You believe his, his whatever prescription he's written for you. Right? And so you go out and you obey him to the dot. In fact, belief means that in so many contexts as we use it. right? If I told you that tomorrow there's going to be an explosion all over the city, what do you do? You're going to get up and run out of the city if you believe me. You can't say you believe me and then remain. Right? There is an action that comes out of that belief. But Christians have reduced the word belief down to a mere intellectual tick. That when it comes to God, we reduce belief down to a confession of the mouth and, and we settle it there. We believe in Jesus with our minds and that's enough. But beloved, that's not enough. That's not what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to tell you to believe in such a way that your lives are transformed because you actually believe in him. In, in, uh, uh, you know, in, in Matthew 7, 21, I go to that portion all the time. Many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, do mighty miracles in your name? 
And what does Jesus tell them? Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Just because you call on the name of the Lord, 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 you shall not be saved. Because if you believe and that calling upon the name of the Lord is produced from true belief, then you will be a people who are lawful. You will be a people who are transformed. In fact, in that same chapter, uh, we are warned by Jesus when he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. That's the whole point. You will recognize a child of God by his fruits. Why? Because if you truly believe, you will produce the fruits of that belief. And so what does it mean to believe? It means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that your life is transformed by the inner workings of the Holy Spirit who works inside of you and gives you the gift of faith. And then there's the promise of eternal life. How do we have assurance of eternal life? We have assurance of eternal life like Romans 6 tells us that if we have been buried with Christ in our sins, right? In Romans 6, we were looking that in our own Bible study. Jesus died that you might die. Jesus lived that you might live. When Jesus died on the cross, when we take baptism, that's what it symbolizes. That we are dead to sin. We die to sin and we are raised up in the newness of life. And so the confidence we have of an eternal life is today as we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. Because if we have died to our sins in a death like his, then we will be resurrected to the newness of life and ultimately to the glorious life in heaven because the Lord has been raised from the dead. So that's the gospel. All of this is not explained in John 3.16. And therefore the gospel is not simple. It requires for us to pull all scripture together for it is the God-breathed words that are given to us that reveals to us what the gospel is. Beloved, go to the Bible and see for yourself that the gospel that is predominantly taught by the culture of the churches that are predominantly around you is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but an oversimplified and watered down gospel for the true gospel of Jesus Christ is this is in understanding from beginning to end why we needed saving, who we are saved from, what we are saved from, and why Jesus had to die. And because of his substitutionary atonement, the propitiation for our sins, what it means for us to believe. And if we truly believe in him, we will produce those fruits. And in producing those fruits, we have confidence in knowing that if we died in a death like his to sin, we will be raised into the newness of life as he was raised into the newness of life. And so that's a lot of stuff to cram into these few minutes, but that, and that's what I give offer to you. Come to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you have not given your hearts to him, give him your heart, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure in the continued discussions that we have, we will hash it out even more. And uh, please do continue to write us questions if you have questions so that we can.
can continue to address them as we move on. And uh, seems like Mike got stuck right around the time. <laughs> yeah, to end. <laughs> presentation so you guys uh, keep sending us the uh, questions if you have any uh, and uh, we'll pick it up during the discussion time yes mike is back on sorry guys <clears throat> when did you lose me no you were, you were wrapping up i was wrapping up okay good cool. yeah cool so thanks mike for that uh, quick lightning fast uh, delivery uh, but I guess uh, now is the time uh, for us to... Out of curiosity, how long did I take? I don't know. I have to check that. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have to check the logs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can uh, go ahead and uh, hash it out a little more. Because uh, yeah. you you went so many, uh, so many points um, uh, pertaining to the gospel. Uh, yeah. Which... Like you mentioned, till now, we believed was a simple one sentence thing. So yeah. uh, let's start there. Let's start at uh, the simplicity question. Uh, we have a lot of people who are uh, not intellectually brilliant theologians who sit and study the Bible and pour over it and learn the Greek and the history behind it and all of that. Uh, uh, Benji, you might want to be a tad bit louder, I guess. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about now? Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's yeah. better, I guess. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I was saying that um, when we look at the community around us, it's not like everyone is a scholar. It's not like everyone is a theologian who is well-versed in the history of the church or uh, every single uh, line of verse in the Bible and uh, where it comes from and all these things. And the, uh, you know, even the language, uh, what it was originally yeah. written in. And so when we listen to sermons by the more learned people, we find it going over our heads most of the time. So yeah. um, when you say the gospel isn't simple, do you mean that it is not accessible to a person who cannot understand beyond or, or, or does not have the uh, intellectual capacity to you know, study the uh, vast expanses and understand the you know, genius level intellect sort of? Is that required to understand the Bible or the gospel in itself? I, I love the question. Um... Yeah, so this is the problem of addressing, you know, something lightning fast in as short an amount of time that you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, if, if, if that's a, that's an idea that some people might have received from my sharing, uh, no. The when I say the gospel is not simple, but that it is clear. What I mean is usually when preachers you say the statement the gospel is simple, what I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. What they are probably trying to communicate is to say that it can be understood by anybody. What they're trying to communicate is that it's not beyond your grasp to understand. Now, the word for that I am arguing is not simple because simple also carries with it that uh, negative connotation that, that uh, oh, it's only this much, right? It's just John 3.16, that's about it. Um, so I wouldn't use the word simple, I would use it clear. And so when I use the word clear, that's what I mean by clear. What I mean by clear is that 
the gospel probably in the bible is among the most crystal clear communicate uh, things that are communicated to the people right that there needs to be no confusion about the foundations of the gospel so i would probably for maybe a better understanding draw this where i would say you know we usually classify what the bible teaches us in three concentric circles right and the inner circle is primary doctrine the second outer circle is the middle circle is secondary doctrine and the outer circle is tertiary doctrine and what we mean is everything that's primary is given by the bible clearly and form the foundations of the christian faith and anyone who does not hold to primary doctrine is not a christian so somebody who does not believe in a triune god who does not believe in the trinity is not a christian regardless of whatever else he might believe he is not a christian because the bible communicates about the deity of christ and the and the three persons of the godhead very clearly so secondary doctrines are probably doctrines that maybe there will be differences that people can hold because of a certain level of ambiguity in the text but even then it it is strong arguments right uh tertiary on the other hand is where the bible leaves a lot of mystery on those kind of doctrines and so that's probably even for the simple person or the common man the non intellectual scholarly kind of person it is possible for them to understand primary doctrine because the bible is very clear about it and the gospel is primary it's neither secondary or tertiary it's primary doctrine and so so i believe you yeah, know that that's probably what i would say, I would say. yeah so uh, i think even here the idea of simple uh, okay uh, before that benji i'm getting uh, responses from a uh, bunch of people saying that your volume has really gone down when i said that it was a tad bit low you like went all out then it went down again yeah yeah okay i think it's a stream volume awesome. i'll have increased yes because you're the only one streaming right <laughs> yeah all right okay uh, so yes uh, i pretty much agree with mike in the sense uh, the idea of simple is not about the simplicity uh, of understanding or learning in the sense it doesn't take a big huge brain to grasp the uh, the gospel right uh, so gospel is not just for the smartest of the smartest in in, uh, in fact if anything the opposite Uh, because we have uh, the fools of the uh, earth becoming wise, God making them wise by uh, His uh, revelation to them. Uh, but on the other hand, yes, uh, we have this. Uh, to quote Pastor Doug Wilson here, an evangelifish <laughs> culture around us, uh, where uh, we have uh, made up this dilute, uh, you know, dilute water, uh, dilute uh, solution kind of a uh, gospel, where uh, you say all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. and uh, what does believe mean uh, i would let you pick up the meaning of believe from your surroundings and the television and everything else rather than uh, putting yourself in front of the uh, bible and try and see what the scripture has to uh, say about believing we see uh, in the scripture the uh, in the scripture you see believe as a word that is pursuing it it doesn't end there i don't i don't believe and it's not over it it is following up with good works it is Uh, following with us being a testimony unto the the lord's work etc so yeah it is clear in the sense it is straightforward uh, and understandable without much complications but it is not as simple as uh, just believe and you're done right it's not that, that simple that's what we uh, mean there yeah
like uh, i like the additional uh, the, the the way we say that it's not simple is not just about all these things but also the fact that uh, it's not a simple truth to believe yeah. that there is a god uh, to believe yeah. that uh, he would send his son to the earth and to believe that he would do that in such a fashion yeah. and to believe yeah. that uh, then he went on to die on the cross and then to believe that yeah. that death resulted in our uh, justification and then to believe that he rose from the dead and then to yeah. be, so it's not a simple yeah. thing in that sense either it's not okay it, it's not a normal small truth it's it's a big truth yeah uh, which i guess is the reason many people uh, have that difficulty even to believe such a thing i mean how can you believe that such a thing i think we addressed that in the last episode also yeah but uh, one thing i noticed that you mentioned in between it's that what we are saved from being one of the aspects of the gospel and uh, you know one of those things that we hear often is that we are not saved from the devil we are not saved from you know uh, hell where hell is a picture of you know satan on a throne and yeah. uh, we, we get that from tom and jerry yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get that we get a lot of theology from tom and jerry yeah yeah, yeah i guess so, so uh, let's let's uh, talk about that because i think the alternative is then that you say that we are saved from god Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I think pe- people have a big big problem with that, right? Uh, I'm sorry, Benjie, did I cut you short? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so I uh, you know, I was you know, Keith and Christian Getty are famous, uh, you know, the hymn writers, right? In so, Christ alone. Uh, yeah, so they wrote in Christ alone. And so inside in Christ alone, um there is a there is a portion where it says for on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied. when that came out there were many denominations who wrote to keith and christian get you with a new lyric because don't say the wrath of god was satisfied uh, but but put it lightly put it in a different way love because, of god was satisfied or yeah the don't say love that. of god was magnified yeah the love of magnified. god was magnified yeah. yeah say that don't say the wrath of god was satisfied right and uh, the the issue still is is that is that we know more about god from the jesus movies than we know from the bible and therefore from the culture we learn and i think i made reference to that because a lot of what we are talking about is rediscovering the lost gospel and what i mean by that is our take on who god is is predominantly coming from culture it's predominantly coming from churches where the bible is not the sure foundation it's coming from wrong false teachers or poorly taught people right it's coming from from weak sources and people are buying into this idea that god's all mushy love right and that's not true god is a god of wrath and i made mention to that by saying god is just it is it is an attribute of who he is and god being just must act to punish the guilty and we are the guilty and therefore that act that punishment that wrath is what we are saved from because it would be a futile thing to be saved from the devil uh, you know because uh, whom we have wronged is god and the whole bible the whole story of scripture is that we have wronged god and you know christ has come as the propitiation for our sins to to die for our penalty and uh, 
other you know against the the justice and you know you we we see the whole story even in the book of revelation the final we talk about judgment day and uh, the devil is not seated on the throne of judgment day god is seated on the throne of judgment day so yeah yeah it's interesting um that you put it that way so uh so the, it's it's the picture of hell that we have in our minds right it's a picture um because i think most of media and uh, like you said that's where we get it from but even today yeah. that is the understanding it is a it is a popular understanding that um, hell yeah. is reigned over by um, satan and uh, you know it's it's a, if you like sin here or what christians call sin if you like that when you are here uh, then when you go to hell you're just going to have a good time <laughs> so that's yeah. that's uh, one of the pictures that we have and, uh, the gospel is just not that what the bible says is just not that it is that yeah. god is still sovereign even in hell and yeah uh, like that picture right it's not hell is hell because not because god is not there but because god is there the wrath is there the fullness yeah. of his wrath the fullness yeah. of his wrath yeah. yeah which is a, a difficult topic um the yeah. wrath of god um like you were saying it's difficult to believe that that but is, but a clear topic <laughs> it's a clear topic yeah, yeah. it is that so it yeah. i think what you're talking about is um, like you mentioned during uh, your talk is that there is an um, understanding of one portion of the scripture there's a there's a focus given to one portion of the scripture which we do not have for the rest of it um, yeah. like i was telling the other day there are some people who uh, tell me that the bible is a great book and all it's not just all of it is not great you know there are good portions yeah. that you take and you you know follow those that's great yeah um, yeah and uh, people who call themselves christians also say the same thing yeah so yeah. um that's the like like you were saying just now um the topic that we're talking about today is more like recovering the lost gospel like you were saying you were yeah. you made a claim uh, that most of the gospel that we hear around us today Uh, the predominant yeah. gospel or the cultural gospel is not uh, the true gospel of jesus christ so yeah. you know uh, what does it mean that it is lost what what is uh, what what are people missing out on or, or let's say how does it happen yeah. that that you just miss out a whole portion of the gospel when everyone is being taught this at church uh, yeah so uh, ashok you have something on that Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, think about it. You suddenly see a, you know, title of a talk that says "Recovering the Lost Gospel," and you see three weirdos with headphones on uh, in a live stream. You think of it something like one of those Da Vinci Code kind of things. This is lost Gnostic gospel, the missing book from the Bible. Uh, in no, in no sense do we mean that. Yeah, we might be weird, but that's not, <laughs> that's not what we mean by uh, the lost gospel in any way. Uh, but it is, uh, if anything. uh yeah the, the same thing that i was uh, saying even the last time that we have a culture uh that redefines gospel that has redefined gospel according to cultural terms according to the terms of the world uh we like simplifying things uh, uh beyond which is kind of ironic because in at some level we are living in a generation where people are so uh you know in, 
within the church you see this thing people are so interested about sending their children for uh, taking phds over phds and studying and uh, you know getting degrees and a lot of those things but when it comes to the scripture the same intellectual super super smart people would come and tell you don't give me difficult words don't give me those essence and uh, theological terms it, it's it, it just confuses my mind yeah so <laughs> so we have a problem there so Uh, the uh, evangelical culture that we live in for some reason uh, has come up with this assumption that uh, gospel has supposed to be this uh, watered down solution and it has to be um, you know so so it you don't have to say the opposite of gospel to have it lost right all you have to do it is water it down generation after generation with each generation adding their own preferences <laughs> over it and bringing down the Uh, seriousness of things you know at, they're sing, still singing a hymn but they have gone to the point where they say let's not say wrath of god but rather let's say uh, the uh, love of god is magnified you see there is some sort of a gospel there but it is not the true gospel it's a perverted gospel so in that process the gospel gets lost in no it's it's not that there are no more people believing the gospel we know right godly believers uh, who hold to the true gospel of god we saying as a culture uh we have lost the essence of gospel in uh general where we have a lot of religiosity we sing the same hymns we sing the we say the same creeds we have nicene creed being read out all beautiful things but the heart is missing kind of like israel in uh, isaiah 1 where the god has to look at people and say uh, you're you are doing all the things that i ask you to do you're keeping the sabbaths you're keeping the passover and everything but you're the trampling when you enter my courts it is trampling of foot unto me the feet unto me i do not like it because your heart is not in place yeah so that's the kind of a thing i took a bit too much on this but that's kind of in nutshell what i would uh, mean by uh, the gospel that is lost yeah the, the, the also the thing benji is that you know uh, as a church one of the questions we ask during our membership classes uh, is a question uh, explain the gospel in 60 seconds or what is the gospel in 60 seconds okay and it's so interesting how people always all the time fumble on that question not because of anything but because they have not been taught it well enough and that's that's my experience and we we are, we are all uh, we've all experienced that at some level when 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 i talk about gospel not being simple the danger i see is that so let me give you this example for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but everlasting life okay seeing that same statement agreeing upon that state same statement if i then conclude what i am actually saved from is the devil okay what i am actually saved from is the devil and god is so loving to me and god loves me so much that he sent his son to die at the hands of the devil right uh, that's the whole problem with the narnia movie uh, because uh, hey we are not uh, blaming uh, cs lewis here yeah. <laughs> with with i mean what cs lewis was trying to convey but the problem is it's not the the knife is not in the hand of the witch yeah right it is it is it is the if you want a parallel story it's abraham taking isaac up onto the mountain to kill him it's the yeah. father that raises the knife it's the wrath of god that satisfied right it pleased yahweh to crush him that's what the bible tells us 
And so if I say, no, it was the devil who killed him and Jesus loves me so much. He saved me. And all I have to do is confess with my mouth and he, he has died for me. He loves me. He'll never let me go to hell. He's going to save me and I have eternal life. You've just oversimplified the statement. Believed in false notions of reality and resulted or ended up believing in a God who's mushy love, a God who loves you so much, who's overcome, a God who was overcome by the devil at some, some point in time, you begin not only to draw the picture of who God is, but who you are and what God did for you, right? The simplification of the gospel, the oversimplification rather, results in a wrong gospel, in a false gospel. Because it represents the wrong God. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not a God only of love, but he's a God who is just. The God of the Bible is not the God who had to submit to the devil. No, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible who reigns supreme. And so the problem is we, we you know, I, I use that example, right? So if anybody were to come to any of you guys or anyone else and say, you know, you met Mike, that six foot tall, broad shouldered, huge muscular guy, you know, immediately you'll say you've got the wrong guy. That's how I feel about most Christians when they talk to me about Jesus. When they share with me about the gospel. The gospel looks like nothing the Bible seems to teach. And the Jesus of that gospel looks like nothing the Jesus of the Bible. So all of that to say that's the issue. Cultural Christianity or the predominant gospel you hear out there is a false gospel that makes believe a God. Now I, I, I want to draw also a line of caution to say that... Uh, there are people who understand John 3.16 with a simple heart without reading too much into these things, right? I'm not saying they are false Christians. And I'm not saying that their communication of the gospel is false. What I'm trying to say is they are not well-taught Christians. They are young in the faith. They need to grow mature by eating solid food. They need to grow in the understanding of the word of God so that they are more rooted and secure. But just by our own experience and listening to the predominant Christian position that we run into, we see that it's not stable gospel that is taught. And our condemnation more than the hearers of the word are of those who are preaching this false gospel. So. Yeah, um, I like that it always comes full circle around back to uh, talking about the word of God. So... Uh, that's the that's the uh, element that seems to be missing here um, for the person who is um, not taught well enough, as you say. Um, what he needs is to grow, to learn more, to study more, to sit at the feet of the Lord's God's word. And um, same goes for someone who you know, has believed in something wrong, or has been misinformed, or has just not spent enough time at it. Um, everywhere the focus seems to be on coming back into the gospel. So I think where we draw all this into a close or or, or, or into a, you know, uh, the point, the, the important point of it uh, is understanding what this means for us as a person, as an individual. Like you were saying, a person who understands it as a, as a simple, with a simple heart is not you know, a false Christian, which is probably the question that we have on our minds when you hear something like this. 
is that when you say that all churches are teaching you the false gospel, when you say that uh, understanding of the gospel is wrong, does that mean that what I have understood, me as a person, as a Christian, what I have understood is wrong? Have, am I believing in the wrong God? Am I not a Christian? Are you calling me? That's the, uh, that's the immediate uh, reaction. Um, so what is that side of it? What, is, what does it mean when you say that the gospel is lost? What does it mean for me to do now? Right, because uh, one easy thing to pull out from this is, um, like you were saying, the reading of the word. But you know, what is, what are the, what, what's the next step? When do I know? You know, like like uh, uh, most common question uh, when when we reach these discussions and debates and stuff is, okay, fine, that's great. Um, so then I'm not saved. Am I saved? Um, so. That's the difficulty that we face at some point is that questioning of our own salvation and you know, yeah. what is that what what is that uh, that side of it because when you say that we have understood the wrong thing uh, or that we've learned the wrong thing or we've been misinformed you know what is what is the hope that we have what's the next um, aspect of it am I saved or not uh, when I yeah. believe in the wrong gospel. Let me probably give a small example and then Ashok can maybe uh, talk more on this. Is uh, uh, basically, uh, yeah. Benji, uh, just uh, we have an uh, inflow of messages asking you to keep your volume a bit more up. So just your up, volume. This is as it goes. <laughs> as, you don't have to increase the volume. Maybe try shouting. I don't know. Maybe your microphone <laughs> is breaking as well. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. That's what yes. I'm going to do. Yes. Be passionate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So Benji's question of what must we do now? Uh, you know, am I a Christian? What do you mean? You know, when you say all of these things, it's it's new things. Sometimes I'm hearing. What does it mean? And all that. Um, here's the thing. You know, imagine. I want you to picture this, right? Uh, imagine you've never met your father, yet you know him from afar. You've heard much about him, right? And finally, you have the chance to meet your father, and you go and spend time with him what you begin to understand is that all those things that you thought you knew, some of it tends to be clearer and some of it tends to be wrong. And some of it gets rectified. It is by walking with him, it is by spending time with him that you get a better understanding of who he is. Right? So God's love for his people, God's saving work of his people our belief in Jesus, our trust in him, our love for him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And that belief, if it is a genuine belief wrought by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you are secure as a child of God. right? But doesn't mean you know your father well. Doesn't mean you understand who he is well. And we are all on that boat. We will never, it's like, you know, again, how Paul Washer tells us, we will spend an eternity in heaven knowing more about God and we will in 10,000 years not even have reached the foothills of that mountain. Because we are knowing more about him, we are getting a clearer understanding of who he is and that is what the Christian walk is all about. It's about walking in understanding and knowledge of who he is. The, 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 the perspective here is what like the gospel statement that was given. Okay, I never seen this. I've never heard about it. Does this mean I am saved? Go into your inner room. 
read the word of god maybe rewind this look at the verse references that i quoted go through the entire thing the discussion and then pray let the holy spirit visit you and work in your life to satisfy you and confirm to you that you are a child of god but it is a safe question to always ask am i right you know am, am i am i doing this correctly am i understanding this correctly because if what we are saying is at is has at some point triggered such questions it's a good question don't be disheartened go listen to the gospel read the word and i i would encourage them to go like you said benji to the word of god to prayer to good teachers of the word write to us if if we can help in any way uh, whether it's meeting you or praying with you or uh, asking questions to us so we can continue to put out good resources i mean at the end that's why we exist as a ministry the cross purpose exists out of this very lack of the gospel in in our context right so even our entire statement is based on that is on the fact that the gospel is lost predominantly in the culture that we are in and the cross purpose exists as a source to preach the truth and bring people to god's word and an accurate understanding of that so 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 you know that example helps me that you will know more about the father as you walk with him as you read his word as you meditate as you plug in with good solid sound believers and fellowship with them yeah sure you can you can probably yeah uh that is true right whatever might set us true there is something additionally on add uh, this um you need a church you need a fellowship of believers around you and by church i do not mean uh, a prayer meeting or a care cell or a bible study that you go to i am talking about an actual church right a church uh, built by god uh, by built what do i mean built by god uh, that follows the scriptural instructions where there are elders there are deacons there is the word of god being expounded properly and there is uh, the uh, sacraments being taken uh, you know sap- sacraments uh, happening including lord supper and uh, uh, baptism and everything am i saying you cannot be a christian without an actual church uh no uh but it's highly likely if that makes sense right because at the end of the day it's not a church that saves you it it is truly the gospel that saves you but god uses the institution of church uh the bride of uh, uh christ uh, for your growth he has see it's it's not men who placed elders and sacraments and all those things in its position christ has instituted those things in their position so that the saints would grow so one of the reasons why you might not know if you are saved or not is because you cannot bear fruit what do i mean you cannot bear fruit uh what are what is fruit bearing you have to be gentle you have to be loving you have you have to have love for your brother and everything but you need brother and around you for that and how can you change if you are wrong well you need uh, elders who know the scripture well uh, who govern the body who lead you and guide you in scriptural ways so there is a god given authority god has given to elders and deacons and people above you which god uses for your good in your life that is not the same authority he has given with Uh, brothers who meet, meet in the same care cell it quite doesn't work like that so one of the uh, and i think it's a big problem i think we must must do some podcast on this at some point uh, just on this topic but but this being the central aspect that you need a godly church you have to find a godly church and within the uh, environment of a church you would see that you will have brothers and sisters 
and uh, openings coming up where you can minister uh, for the sake of the glory of the Lord. And when that whole thing comes together, uh, the conviction starts coming over time. You will see how brothers and sisters uh, around you start thinking that you are actually saved. And you will see how you are bearing fruit. And you will see how you start developing a love for your brothers and sisters within the church. You'll see how you can how you disagree with people within the church, but still you care for their soul and they, you, that you love for them. And all these kinds of things come together. So, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to be hated by, especially in a place like Trivandrum, where people are not big fans of uh, church as a church. But I, um, I actually read this book called Bible, which uh, highly, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, that's a that's a good that's that's yeah. a good point. Um, yeah. Like, um, so you know, we've we've actually moved into our uh, question and answer session. We haven't had anything on our live chat, so I'm just picking up from uh, the questions that we have already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's encourage people also. If you guys have any questions, to so just put it in that live chat so that you're swimming. And then we, we try to address about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just picking up on what Ashok was talking about. So, this church, uh, I, I agree we should do a podcast on this sometime. Uh, yeah. But we do have about 20 minutes left. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> because, yeah. can I not be a Christian? So, there is this concept of the universal church, right? Yeah. So, when you say the pride of Christ, um, uh, one would argue with you that you know, bride of Christ, God is talking about the universal church. It's not like okay. one church is going to happen. So, uh, why can't I or whoever it is um, stay, remain as you know, part of the universal church? Just not going to a particular church. Maybe I visit churches. Maybe I um, attend services. Uh, maybe there's one place that I prefer to go to uh, because. For everyone, and we have seen this in our own experiences, everyone has a reason that they cannot, either they cannot go to a particular church or they cannot leave a particular church or uh, they've lost the trust in the uh, complete institution as a whole. Right? Because yeah. uh, we see that uh, issue in, yeah. around us, yeah. especially here in Rwanda. So, you know, what is the importance placed in you know, being in a church and being in a godly church. We'll get to the godly part of that church <laughs> yeah, later yeah. Or, or in the course of the discussion. But uh, let's start there. Yeah, so I, I think uh, one of the things that we must keep in mind is just as we're talking about the lost gospel and the need to recover the lost gospel, maybe we should have something called the lost church and the need to recover, uh, you know, the, the godly church. And the reason, and, and the point is this, I always use this, this statement where I say uh, it's not really helpful to judge individual churches on the basis of good or bad. That's probably the wrong use of the word. But rather the more better use of the word is health and uh, lack of health. Right? There are churches that are more healthy and churches that are less healthy. Because I'd like to define a church in such a way that a bad church is not a church. Right? Uh, a church has to be good. The community of saints whom Christ has saved by his blood that gather together can never be bad. And if it's maybe bad, maybe for it's not a, a season. Church. Maybe for a season. Yeah. Where yeah. So, are, so, yeah. So, so when you're looking at all of that, you're looking at unhealthiness. You're not looking at bad necessarily. Yeah. Right? And so the, the argument is, is, is a church healthy or unhealthy? But that's probably where you're talking about good church. And, and we probably might get to that. But 
why a church is very simple more simple i think because we don't see the church is not an institution established by men just as uh, the word of god has been given to us as the source of all knowledge and truth fellowship has been given to us as a means by which we might be equipped throughout the scripture when paul writes the letters to the churches and all of those things you find the principles of the christian life are met beautifully and wonderfully within the context of a local church so the local church rather is an institution that god has established within which these things can be exercised so i understand your question what about universal church versus local church why local church am i not in the universal body of christ well because when we read the bible how christians always knew they were part of the universal church was by being as a member of a local church that's always how you see it throughout the bible and following on and the reason is this you see in matthew 18 jesus basically says you know when your brother sins go correct him if he doesn't listen to you take a few witnesses and correct him what's happening there here is someone who's straying from the path and what are you supposed to do instruct him in the way right and you're helping him and you bring some people and they don't listen then you bring some more maybe involve some of the elders and all that and still they don't listen to you what it says is bring him in front of the church and let the church judge that's not the universal church jesus is specifically making reference to discipline christian discipline occurring in the context of a local church where there are elders there are members and then he says if he does not listen to the church then send him out from among you and let him be a tax collector which we usually use the word excommunication and in order for you to be removed out from a church you have to be part of it to begin with. right and you begin to see we talked about fruits of the holy spirit right yeah you will know that you are saved because you bear the fruit of the spirit that's what true belief is but here's the thing every fruit love joy peace patience kindness gentleness self control all of the fruits exist in relation to another individual experiencing those fruits it those are relational fruits you can't lock yourself up in a room or detach yourself from people and bear fruits because this fruit involves interaction with christians interaction with the people of the world and therefore the local church becomes the context in which these fruits are made evident so to boil it all down the local church is important because it's biblical the local church is important because that's the way in which god has prescribed for us christians to grow in health so when ashok is saying i say you you know when you ask the question what next what do i know, do next church local church plug in plug into a church and then the question is which church good church bad church all that where i would say the question is health versus unhealth and so as i always whenever i talk about this topic i encourage people to grab a book if they can called nine marks of a healthy church by mark dever you can get it on kindle you can you know get the digital copy of kindle or you can buy it uh, after the covid crisis and amazon really starts delivering uh, nine marks of a healthy church a very interesting books where he talks about he prioritizes nine important marks that uh, that mark the health of a church and uh, it involves preaching it involves membership it involves discipleship it involves evangelism and so he goes through a series a set of things like right? church elders 
all of that to kind of talk about how the church's health can be measured. Uh, but you always plug in, right? Uh, and you always, the, the, the craving of the heart must be to plug into a local church. Uh, I should uh, go in the record and uh, go ahead in the record and say that uh, I have been. It's it's unfair at some level if I'd not say this. I have been genuinely helped by Christians who are not regular members of a local uh, local church. Uh, and what I am not what I'm trying to do is not pour condemnation over them and not say that it's an impossibility to be like that. But uh, to such brothers and sisters who are, uh, you know, actively working for the kingdom of God outside of the church, uh, there are, what I'm basically saying is, hey guys, you are really missing out. Uh, you think by, uh, uh, you know, you think by your humanly wisdom that you are doing much more outside. But trust me, if you believe in the ways of Lord, and if you stick with a healthy church and you continue working there, Lord would use you. Uh, more or more effectively or in a manner that brings much more glory to the Lord than you would imagine. So at that point, we really, really, we really have to trust uh, the Lord uh, to do such things. But uh, Yeah, and also the book of Revelation, no? You can talk about that. The book of Revelation, in yeah, fact, Jezebel, that John has, yeah. what is what is Jesus, Jesus is addressing to local churches. Yeah. He's calling them out by name, mm-hmm. right? And he's, and he's telling them how to act. He's Thanks, Mike. Them that, was my, that was my next point. To the but... church at... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, continue. If you want to go on that... Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. I was, just, I was just saying that, right? So even Christ in, in Revelation, talking about the future, Christ mm-hmm. coming back for his bride and all of those things, mm-hmm. he's still giving instructions to local churches. Mm-hmm. Um, the local church is the visible representation of the universal church. And if you are not part of that visible representation locally, how can you claim to be part of the uh, church globe universally? There is a sense in which you are expected to, by God, to be part of a local church, not just to receive, but to give really, where you where you work towards building others in Christ. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, you see, uh, here's the thing. People say uh, church is just the people and not not the building and they sit at home because they say the meaning of the church means people no the meaning of church means gathering which means you have to gather the person has to meet with another person and then only does the gathering happen right ecclesia means that in way so you have to gather now can't i uh, meet with anyone so okay you're claiming the authority of the bible to say it just means it, it just says gathering so i can gather anywhere so if you trust the authority of the Bible and saying you can gather anywhere, you also have to trust the authority of the Bible when you see people in the Bible aren't simply meeting anywhere, right? Uh, because I, I think it is when the, uh, in Ephesus, when the, uh, I think the second city uh, leader gets, um, uh, governor or somebody gets uh, 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 saved as well, it, it mentions how church used to meet at Aquinas and uh, Priscilla and uh, sorry, Priscilla and Aquila's house. Uh, they make a special mention of it. So yeah. Anyway, the point being, you see Ephesus. The letter is not written to the church at Ephesus. It is written to the churches at Ephesus. There are multiple congregations there, and not just there are congregations. God has also given how to set up a congregation. There has to be few elders or overseers. Uh, or uh, uh, yeah so uh, episcope uh, you know you, you have to have leaders and elders and deacons there's a hierarchy given all those kinds of things uh, 
your care cell can't have that. Your prayer meeting cannot have elders and uh, uh, all these things. Means of grace God has used for your, uh, you know, growing in the faith. Your care cell can't have it. And if it can have it, you are a church, right? You are a local body, as, uh, if that's the case. You just don't like, like the word, right? And uh, yet another reason why I was emphasizing in each church would be this. Uh, unlike popular belief, uh, Satan isn't going around teaching cool guitar licks to people in exchange for their souls. He's actively tempting people. He's actively trying to bring down people. He's actively uh, pouncing on believers as, uh, like a roaring lion. Um, if that's a case, you need all the protection that you need. You need all the support of the saints around you, praying for you. Uh, in accordance to the means of grace, the way Christ has instituted it, right? So grab onto everything that you have. So grab onto all the uh, mercies of God. So some of the mercies of God come in, come in trusting the way he institutes them, and that is church. So yeah, that will be yet another encouragement, the reason why uh, we would want churches. Yeah. We would want to be actively part of churches. Yeah, uh, I like that. That last portion was going to be my next question, was that... Uh, why not anywhere? Why no, not Satan any isn't group? teaching guitar. Like no, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't like, I, I don't play much guitar, so it's okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, the question of um, why not any place, like the church is not uh, the building, it is, it's it's just the people. Um, you know, th almost Thor-esque uh, statement. So, the question there is, uh, you know, what, like, like Ashok was saying, in the end, what you're talking about, if you have all these things, if you have uh, uh, elders and you have uh, discipleship happening and you have Bible study happening, and messages and you have fellowship and you have all these things, like basically whatever you could read in the Nine Marks book, I guess. If you have all these things, then you, you're basically a church. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that would, that would be the next, um, you know, next step or the next set of people who who say uh, it's not like i'm not meeting it's not like i'm sitting at home i am doing this i'm doing that i'm doing a lot of things with the universal body of church uh, yeah and there um, like what ashok was saying that that's yeah. the, that's the gap that's being bridged there yeah, yeah. um is there any um, any practical uh, points you want to add into that that side of things like what does a church help me um, that uh, a local group of believers cannot um, uh, from yeah so, from the point so, of view sorry, of, sorry. from the point of view of uh, not just conceptual theology what the bible says really in my life in my life as a christian what is there that a church can do that a, a normal group of believers cannot uh, well, basically, uh, it is it is the fact that uh, there is a certain. I think we we've experienced that ourselves, right? We were a, a young fellowship of of guys coming to you know coming together and talking about Jesus and all of that. Uh, the the point is Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty, right? We are called to go out to make disciples, not just to proclaim the word of God, but to make disciples, right? And the making of disciples involves fellowship, accountability, uh, not just gathering, but the commitment and the covenanting of one another. That does not happen outside of the context of the local church. That because the commitment is is basically like a contract that you you know, if you call your friends and spend time with them, good. But you get to be lazy, you get to fall short, you get to 
there is no structure in which you covenant and you are responsible for and you are held accountable to to others which when you start doing right if you say okay no i'm not going to be part of a local church but i'm going to start doing that what happens is that structure begins to grow because the needs of discipleship grow and they you know it starts that way and it says okay we need accountability we need mentors we're going to need this we need somebody to preach the word you know what we are gathering together so much i missed the lord table maybe we'll take the lord's table okay let's institute baptism by the nearer church right so that's what happens the natural progression of the christian to be serious about discipleship making and covenanting and fellowshipping with other believers will drive towards the end of being part of a local church anyway Uh, it's the it's the way god has structured the life of the believer to be and so but but i recognize there are exceptional cases that might arise from you know a missionary out in one corner but that's not the predominant situation of most people is that they are to plug into a local church because like like we've been saying it's the institution that god has established and god will use and work it all for for good think about it this way the majority of the new testament are books written to churches are letters written to churches local bodies that have committed to gather together and he talks paul talks to so many of these churches by how they congregate correcting their mistakes and their false assumptions and encouraging them to put out from among them people who are wicked right who are unrepentant and wicked and then encouraging them on how they are to congregate well all of the new testament is how the church of god is built but you see it described being built locally not universally right you don't have paul doing what we can do today live streaming on youtube equipping all the churches he's traveling from place to place equipping local churches so you find that the universal church is equipped and built up through and how you see that is through the local churches being equipped and 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 built up and so it will drive a christian down that path where he has to be part of a church and you know strive to be part of a healthy church where the gospel is taught right so we're reaching all of this from the point of the gospel and how the gospel is lost and the reason the gospel is lost is because of all these things people are tired of churches people are tired of situations they walk away they make their own interpretations they make their own understandings and there's just a mishmash of of gospel statements flowing out there we need to go to the source the truth and when we go to the source we believe everything it says and the bible has structured for us to grow as healthy christians inside of healthy churches go go to the source and listen to our podcast that would be the uh, <laughs> god ordained means for it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool uh that seems like a good place for us to uh, slowly wind up uh yeah. yeah so just putting a putting a lid on it uh we've been talking about the cross purpose the purpose of the cross you're talking about the gospel um and the fact that it is lost and what we all i mean what it's all boiled down to for a person an individual is that um that focus on on a relationship with god on the that focus on um you know like we were talking about the other day theology uh, studying god 
you know understanding who god is it's not about the intellectual pursuit of uh, understanding the you know how everything works uh, but simply the uh, recognition or the realization that uh, you know there's something that belief means something and belief results in something and that result is seen in my life and uh, as it, it just flows out of that that i will then read the bible that i will then yeah. pray that i will then trust in god that i will love god that i will show the fruits of the spirit and like you were saying um, it is like accountability seems to be a key word in that sense it is um, when i put myself out there as in, in a committed relationship with god i end up being Uh, you know when i put myself in fellowship in that sense i end up being or or wanting to be accountable in that sense and uh, that then flows on to all the other things that a church does because we recognize yeah. from the bible that these are the things god wants us to do yeah and yeah. Uh, we can't help but do it we have to do yeah. it we are we are uh, compelled to do it um, and persuaded by the truth Yeah. Um, which is what this whole thing is about so yeah so uh, cool guys thank you for joining me uh, yeah i just remembered that we didn't do any introductions but i guess this third episode we can um, let go of can, all that <laughs> formality yeah we can ask people to go to previous episodes and see the yeah <laughs> well, this is a podcast by the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes so uh, yeah thanks guys for joining me um, just to a note to whoever's listening um, continue to um, write in if you have any doubts um, i hope i pray that you were blessed by everything that you heard here uh, thanks for joining us um, we will continue to put out articles we have been for quite some time right now uh, we've been putting out articles um, a few videos and we've just started this podcast um praying that god will use it for his glory we don't know where it's going uh, there's no plan uh, it's just three guys just doing what we think we ought to do yeah. <laughs> so uh, pray for us also pray that um, god leads us to make the right choices in these things yeah, yeah so uh, thanks guys thanks everyone for joining in um, keep uh, t- subscribe to our page on facebook uh, we are on instagram Uh, our content our videos are on youtube uh, you know wherever you want to go and the podcast the audio is on uh, spotify and on our website um, soon will be available on other platforms also um, so yeah so that's about it i uh, thanks all for joining in and uh, let's sign off with yeah. uh, maybe with a word of prayer bank you want to lead us yeah. in prayer yeah i will lead us Heavenly gracious Father we thank you for this time we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us oh lord as a nation we are all under lockdown because of this pandemic crisis across the world everybody your oh lord is struggling but amidst the struggle we have come together to remember oh lord your mercy and your goodness to us in the redemptive act of Christ in dying on the cross for our sins for paying our sins and rising up on the third day today we celebrate that day when you rose up in glory and honor and and is now seated on the right hand of the throne of god we praise you o lord for your goodness to us that you have extended to us this good news the gospel of jesus christ help us in all these discussions to believe on you as we ought to to see you for who you are 
not as the cultural christianity reveals to us but as your word has taught us who you are who you are as you have revealed yourself to be in your scripture and may we believe in the true gospel and may we be people transformed from one degree of faith to another and may we serve you all the days of our lives we pray for everyone who has been listening to these podcasts bless them and lead them uh, help them ask questions and help us put out more resources for the glory of your name we thank you and praise you and we call upon your hand to show us mercy as a nation and in the world oh lord to save us from this crisis that we find ourselves in knowing that you are not surprised and you are a good god who does who works all things for the good of those who love you who are called according to your purpose we trust in you and we lay it all at your feet in jesus name amen amen, amen. okay see, see you guys, guys. see you guys